Park. It's an 87 Precinct bonus episode, as it always is after the main episode a few days later. You know, we're still here a few days later, a bit dustier, <laughs> but still thinking about the heckler. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> oh, it's January 2020 as you listen to this. <laughs> we were just discussing about quite how much we enjoyed this book and quite how significant it was, but we need to get down to the nitty gritty as trailed by Steve-O in the actual main episode, which is the book covers. Oh yeah, I've given mine away, really. Well, we'll go into that in some detail in a second. We'll deal with the copies that me and Morgan have got, mm. which is the Orion edition. It is. Two in a book, The Heckler and See Them Die, which I like because they are novels that follow each For other. For once, well, they yeah. they don't follow each other, that would be weird. You should be reading the same books over and over again. Maybe in a loop. But yeah, The Heckler and See Them Die are next to each other in the sequence. Yeah, for once they've actually put made a sensible uh, omnibus edition rather than just sort of blindly grabbing at the shelves yeah, and just a pin in it. yeah and the cover of our our one is well what can it's we quite s- good I like I was just looking at I like the list they've used the cover of the heckler edition haven't they rather than mash yeah, up yeah absolutely I like the, the list of numbers that um, it's got, got are being some, heckled it's got some decent detail on there it, it makes sense yeah least, someone's putting is, a bit more effort good. on this one I think although the the phone looks a bit too modern for the the, the um, period that the book was actually written absolutely yeah but um, still it's 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 not not a bad effort yeah, mm. there's money, there's addresses, there's phone numbers, there's a phone. But aside from that, it's it's not particularly dynamic. Not terribly exciting, but functional. I'll tell you what's funny about this one. Obviously, most McBain stories start with the, the caveat that the city in these pages mm. is imaginary, dot, dot, dot. And that's normally the front sort of page on its own at the start of the story. Mm. In this, it's on the copyright page in small print. Oh, I'd never even noticed like, like it's a like, really important yeah. copyright point rather than an actual statement about the the books. I wonder if that that's just like a sort of proofreading thing when this like someone's seen that and thought, oh, that that looks like a bit of the the legal spiel. Let's put it on there. I mm. think it must have been something like that. Absolutely, well, must have been interesting addition in that it's got the afterword as well on this one. Yes, now that's something important because that the afterword about the heckler, which obviously yours doesn't have, Steve. But we'll get to that in a second. One of the things we didn't say about the deaf man, and we must say now, is something that you picked up on, Steve-O, about Corella's relationships. Mmm, well, yeah. So, should we have a little bit more about the deaf man before we get into the sensation of you describing your book in full <laughs> detail and giving it a good sniff? So, Corella, the deaf man, Corella, his wife. Well, the, the, yeah, the deaf man's deaf, maybe. Uh, possibly. Well, but then Corella's wife is deaf, definitely. So his closest relationship, his wife, is a deaf mute. His nemesis is supposedly deaf as well. Although even in this book they cast doubt on mm. whether he is. Am I actually blonde? Am I actually deaf? He says mm. to himself in his head whilst talking to, I was going to say Dougal McDougal. I mean Douglas McDouglas. <laughs> you just fill in any name there really, can't you? <laughs> Pretty much. And the afterword in this book goes into some detail about how he came up with that. Oh, right, okay. Because the dedication in it, in our, well, your edition as well, but the dedication is for, this is for my father-in-law, Harry Melnick, who inspired it. Um, At the back of it, there's a little sort of thanks. In fact, there's an after dedication as well to Herb Alexander, the the editor from Pocket Books. But Ed McBain tells a story in our edition about what, how he came up with the idea of, of the heckler. In fact, he tells us about how he came up with the idea of Teddy, Teddy Carella as a deaf-mute mm. character and, and ponders on the nature of having characters with 
disabilities. He himself talks about Moriarty and Sherlock Holmes. He says, I don't believe in the concept of good and evil. Evil is a theological term. But I knew that Teddy Carrillo was deaf and really good, and I figured if I could make this guy deaf and really bad, I'd have a nice contrast. So he's, he planned it. So it makes sense. It's not just mad coincidence yeah. <laughs> that, that two significant figures in the life of Steve Carrillo, one who's shot him even at this point, and the other who's wept over him, saved him, made him, made him happy, hmm. are both deaf. Mm. So it is an interesting one. Stephen has just attempted to throw my book on the floor. Yeah, well, I've never, disgust. I've, ne- I've never read that afterwards. So well, I shall, that's yeah. the nature of different editions, isn't mm, it? It is, yeah. Has yours got the little after dedication to Herb Alexander? It in is. It? There it is. Yeah. yeah. Go on, uh, Stephen. Let's let's well, really, got some, let's dig into the artwork. Well, mine's York. got some hairy legs. <laughs> hairy legs with some whiter than white socks, uh, and with black shoes, which we all know is a big no-no. Is it um, Penguin late 60s, 70s edition? It is 1979, I think. Oh, late 70s. 1979. Oh, published an hour lifetime. Mm. So, it's reprinted 7077 leaved undergrowth presumably the park and then yeah. in the distance there is the bright lights of the, of the city and there's the addition of if your cover being slightly faded as well means his legs are really pasty yeah, white very, very pasty and on the back there is a picture of a um, a shire horse with 87 horse <laughs> brasses it looks tired to doesn't it very tired with a shiny detective on it who's got a, what can only be described as a Armour plate of, of badges. Five police shields. It's only allowed out on cloudy days because if it's sunny, he keeps blinding members of the public. That's how he solves his crimes. <laughs> Through mass blindings from the back of a shire horse. <laughs> you don't see that in the TV series. No. No, no. Look as good in black and white. No. I suppose not. That must have been what it was. Oh dear. Mm. Well, yeah, you do get the impression with that that the, the, the art director's read as far as the first corpse turning up and yeah. gone. That'll do. You've gone chapter two. My work that's, here is done. That's the probably, key thing. They probably thought, how can I depict heckling on the front cover? Uh, whereas yours is the best representation of heckling is the phone, the instrument, mm, the of phone, the, and the, the list the of instrument of the heckling. the hecklees yeah. and the uh, the hecklaws <laughs> equipment. Yeah. Whereas this is just uh, hairy legs and leaves. What I think of when I see the cover of yours, which I hadn't seen until tonight, is the Goon Show. If our followers who aren't familiar with this classic radio comedy from the 1950s. Spike Milligan, Peter Sellers, Harry Seacombe, and originally Michael Benteen. They have a character called Blue Bottle, and it, he's been illustrated in some of the script books and things like that. He's always got these really long, long, <laughs> knobbly need white legs, and you always imagine him sort of in this Boy Scout outfit or something like that. It just reminds me, it's like Blue Bottle's actually been deaded again and, and, and left in, a, in New York for someone to discover. You rotten swine, you! <laughs> Although it could, yeah, it could be a boy scout who's just been kicked in the face by a shire horse, couldn't it? <laughs> well, and now he's kind of... They're big horses, they'll do that to you. See, so if you put it at this angle, it looks like he's stood up. <laughs> it does. It, it looks like he's strange. wearing stockings as well. It's, it's faded that much. Yeah, it's got... a thought-provoking cover, really. It's, uh... <laughs> it's like, you wouldn't necessarily know what you were getting picking that oh, off the shelf. I will definitely take a photo of, of your particular copy mm. of that and put that on, uh, online as well. Decent smell as well. 
Good oh, smell, you reckon? Excellent. Yeah. These ones never have a particularly no, pleasing odor, do they? Probably a 62 police shield smell, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> Marvellous. Well, on the subject of the editions, I did look into the first edition of this because it was one of the hardback ones in Inner Sanctum, uh-huh. published by Publist, published by Simon and Schuster. And the original covers, it's it's quite simple. I'll, I'll show you guys this because I've I found a, a nice yeah. reproduction actually of the wraparound of the hardback, which is simple. It simply says the heckler, then it's got a time bomb mm. equipment, so yeah. dynamite and a clock, and then some graphic design around the name of, of the author. Yeah. So it's a, it's a nice bit of design. Well, the design on that was done by a chap called Tony Palladino, and you will know some of the work of Tony Palladino, whether you think you do or not. So he did quite a lot of books for Simon and & Schuster and, and in this period. He was a graphic designer. But he was most famous for something he did for a book by Robert Block, which was published in Simon & Schuster. Can you guess what book that would be? I would imagine it would be uh, Psycho. Yeah. So he designed the Psycho logo, the word Psycho, mm. with a sort of cracked spirit. Ah, amazing. Which was so effective and so striking an image that Alfred Hitchcock kept that for when he made the film. But it was Tony Palladino who designed it for the book cover. Amazing. Originally, and he got paid, I think, from my notes here, which I will look at, $5,000 for the use of it. Just a flat fee. Yeah. Wow. And it, but it's, it's a brilliant logo. Yeah. And, and it's been ripped off by so many other things since as well. Yeah. Tony Palladino is an interesting character. So Amazing. Hitch has worked with an artist from the Simon and Truster stable, and he's worked with Evan Hunter, Ed McBain himself, on The Birds... As well, so he was clearly. Uh, hmm. I'm assuming he's got bookcases, old Hitch, oh, yeah. full of Simon and Schuster hardbacks <laughs> and and various things. Yeah. And it was published in Britain by TV Boardman, and their cover, although it's got the same intrinsic layout, the cover isn't the time bomb. It's just a man in a hat on a phone, which again, that's heckling, isn't it? Yeah. Well, apparently. I was just reading in the afterward here. Yeah, the first. This was the first. Of the novels to be produced in uh, hardback. Well, I don't think it was because they're already been in hardback for two of them, so that must be wrong. <laughs> was it Ed, Ed McBain getting it wrong? Yeah. Well, I, the heckler because it was first produced in. Oh no, okay, it was for right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I think that. it's the third or fourth. Can edit, by this edit point. out that um, <laughs> that um, erroneous fact. <laughs> erroneous facts. We've corrected alternative it. facts. Alternative facts. Yeah, it's an old <laughs> fake yeah. news. News. Oh, it's a stupid phrase. <laughs> it really annoys is. me every time I hear it. Yeah. I'll tell you what I've not mentioned. We've got a YouTube channel now. Have we? Which, if you think it means that you're going to see films Jeez, of us doing. There's cameras in here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put my trousers back on. This in the corner. So, if, if you want to relive these episodes or see the new ones via the medium of your computer rather than your usual podcast system, they're going to be up on. YouTube on our channel, which you can find by looking for Hark the 87th Precinct podcast. We're not doing anything mad with them, although I have got a, a playlist where I'm I'm tagging in videos that people have put online of people talking about Ed McBain hmm. or things relevant to it as well. What but image are you going to have, I have on the YouTube let channel? Me, let me describe it for you now. Using our corporate colours, which is a particular blue and yellow that our logo has, <laughs> we have a little animated logo and then we have the waveform animated throughout so you won't see anything but unless we come up with some exciting new way of doing something at some point 
It's just so I, there'll be a real spike if somebody starts singing. Like that. Exactly like that. Like, <laughs> what's that moment going to be? And like? I recommend everyone pauses this and goes back and tries to stop YouTube. Have you ever tried to stop YouTube on a specific frame or scene? It's impossible. <laughs> it's stupid. But they're up there because apparently people sometimes like to listen on YouTube. I'll tell you one thing. You remember we did that bit about Brexit when we were talking about the, oh. the Guernsey foot or whatever it was. Or the, I have absolutely the, no memory of that. Was I actually here? The were, Guernsey foot? The Guernsey ounce. It was, it was, <laughs> oh, we, were, we were discussing about how <laughs> measurements, <laughs> unit measurements would, would just change the name after we go through Brexit. Oh, right. And so I, a kilogram would become like a... The Alderney kilogram or something. The Guern, I like the Guernsey ounce, yeah. <laughs> And I'd, I'd trimmed that out as a little promo thing because mm-hmm. it's about a minute long, and I'd, I'd, I'd put that up as one of the videos because I'd done it. What, like come. a pro Brexit no. propaganda? Bring what? back the Guernsey <laughs> ounce. No, it was because our <laughs> vote niche. yes on the twentieth of April, twenty sixteen, or whenever it was. I don't know. Uh, the Guernsey ounce. On it at this rate. Yeah. Um, but it's quite clearly anti-Brexit, as I think. Hark Towers has got that stance, and I've put that on there. And it, I haven't even I hadn't even advertised that there was videos up there yet because it had the word Brexit in the in the title. Within a day, someone had thumbs down it. Amazing. They? So some some Brexit sod has gone looking on on YouTube, looking up Brexit, searching for it, found our video, watched us t- laughing at this silly internal <laughs> logic joke that we'd yeah. come up with about. The Isle of Dogs foot or something. This furious that we're mocking their desire to have their country back. Or they might just possibly have hated the video. Well, the, uh, <laughs> it's entirely possible. So some Brexiteer jerk wasn't like in our, uh, our um, Isle of Man pound per square inch. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I don't know what that was about. Oh, I'll, t- I'll tell you what we can mention. I've done three crimey things today, by which I mean crime fiction. (laughs) (laughs) Nicked a loaf of bread from Asda. Um, I shot that dog. Ripped a a hand dryer out of some toilets. um, And then jumped off the bus through the fire escape. (laughs) Crime? It's unwise. <laughs> well, it's probably against some sort of regulation. I, I would describe I it as a law. I'd describe it as cri- I'd describe it as cri- grimy, though. It was crimey. Oh, in danger. The bus was going at forty miles an hour at the time. Oh. Mm. Well, it wouldn't have been any of our. Did buses. like a forward roll when you landed. <laughs> yeah, drop and roll, drop and roll. So now, what? I watched or have. So this is one of them right. talking about oh, so this Ed is McBain cr- this having watched The Heckler on so TV. So this is crimey. Is that a second one? No, that's, well, that's the included. Ed McBain stuff's all encompassed. So that's one crimey, uh, one crimey I watched thing. an episode of The Bill, which right. was written by PJ Hammond, who devised and wrote, I believe, the series Sapphire and Steel, oh, which right. I've never seen, oh. ever. In is that the thing which had uh, Pierce Brosnan in? No, that's Remington Steel. Oh, right. Which sounds like a razor blade. It does. Yeah, I really don't know much about Sapphire and Steel. Despite my love of TV adventure series, I, it's one I've never, never ever seen. <laughs> I was just going to say, for some reason, <laughs> an alternative could be Samphire and Sapphire. Steel. That's a Hugh Fernley Whittingstall. <laughs> could be setting. Could be setting Cornwall. Samphire and 
seals. Simon <laughs> seals. Do they solve mysteries? <laughs> or is that just the food chain? <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I don't know. We'd have to I be. We found the title for this episode. <laughs> yeah, so. I think they'd have to be based coastal, coastal based uh, crime detection. It's quite hard not to be coastal based in Cornwall. It's not that wide. This, yeah, the seal guy just loves clapping his hands when <laughs> Samfire. Samfire could be the smart ass, uh, and he yeah. Samfire is made skill being quite expensive in supermarkets. Yeah, quite a salty individual. Yeah. Oh dear. Samfire and steel. Oh lord. But yeah, so I watched an episode of The Bill. And that was my second crimey uh-huh. thing today. I've been re-watching The Bill from the start. Episode, series 5, episode 80 it was. <laughs> and I watched the start of a Columbo episode. We've still to devise the Columbo podcast we're going to do. Which, spun off which from Columbo Edinburgh. one was it? Sex and the Married Detective. It's from 1989. Ooh. It's where a sex therapist murders her cheating partner. <laughs> but there's a sequence in it. And you'd never forget this once you've seen it. Because part of the cover that this person has is that they're at a concert. Columbo has to visit this concert hall. And when he gets there, there's a guy showing some students who are on a trip how to play the tuba. So Columbo's, Columbo's off at the side talking to someone. And she's like, shush, 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 shush. Why Columbo? This is the thing that annoys me about Columbo. I love it. But at some point, surely he's got to go, I'm a policeman investigating a murder. Don't tell me to shush. But he does what he's told. And then the guy demonstrating the tuba is like, would someone like to try the tuba? And rather than actually get one of the kids up, he gets Columbo over. Of course he does. Turns out, Columbo whiz on the tuba. He can play <laughs> the tuba perfectly. So you get this scene of Peter Falk blissed out playing a tuba. And then it ends with like these these school kids marching along behind Columbo as he plays a tuba in the foyer of a concert hall in LA. Turn up for the box, isn't it? Yeah, I stopped watching after that because that's the only bit I wanted to see. So, how, what do you make of that then? I, I find that quite um, yeah interesting. <laughs> you know. Yeah, the later Columbo's. Yeah, they were a bit. It, it really did feel like padding. Mm, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I wonder though, because Peter Falk kept getting more and more influence, I think, as as the series went on, he was quite, you know, intrinsic to the thing, as he obviously was as the actor, but also in terms of the what they did. Was it that they were padding for time and some writer came up with that? Or was it Peter Falk going, Look, I've been practicing the tuba and what I'd really like is five minutes of entire screen time dedicated to me playing the tuba to some infants. He'd just been pitching this tuba idea for ten years and then finally like, oh, What about right. the tuba murders? <laughs> the Columbo solves via the use of tubas calling across the Hollywood Hills. Did it have any bearing on him solving the crime? No, other than yeah. he was in the place he needed to be for the next bit to happen. Yeah, all right, fair enough. <laughs> it was brilliant. It was worthwhile then. So there you go. That was my that's my crimey day. Yeah, very crimey. Yeah, mine's not been as crimey. Well, one, one instance of crimey. Well, it's well, been well, quite... well I, was, I was reading a crimey book earlier, but you know, I'm not sure where that counts. Which crimey book? Uh, I was rereading Murder at the Savoy. Oh, yeah. smashing! Which because I re- reread the first half of the the back books oh. uh, a few years ago, and then I <clears throat> I never ended up finishing them. 
Mm. So I thought I'd reread them again. Terrific. Uh, did you want to have a, a go at pronouncing the uh, author's names to see if you can do a better job than me? Maj Sojwal and Perwalu is what I would say. I think we take an average of the two ways you've pronounced it over this and the actual episode. We've probably got the correct Somewhere pronunciation. If you get <laughs> Kenneth Split backwards, then it's probably yeah, right. We could, we could do that. We could put that in <laughs> right now. So, I think we'll <laughs> conclude that we've, we've, <laughs> some fire and, some fire and seal. Oh, it could be, oh, better thought, it's actually Star's seal. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's like a character called Sam Fire, and uh, the psychic is just seal. Yeah. Does he do Kiss from a Rose yeah. every episode? It's a theme tune. He could kiss from a rose whilst bouncing a ball on his nose. And clapping. And clapping. Uh, while Sunfire throws some fish. Well, I think we need to stop recording now and get this worked up into a pitch for TV. Yep. Now, Absolutely. Chris Seal hates seafood as well. Yeah. That's the uh, recurring kind of theme. Because we're in Cornwall, like everywhere's a bloody yeah, fish restaurant. some humorous... Um, incident with him being given seafood as the little, little bit at the end where they freeze. Yeah, yeah. Everyone chortles as Seal is disappointed that he's been served fish again. Yeah, he's looking a really terrible allergic re- reaction <laughs> over the course of the freeze. Looking plate. really <laughs> turning his nose will be disapproving some hake that's been <laughs> shoved in front of his face. Oh, there's Samfires. Samfires kind of laughing. Yeah. Well, uh, we've definitely got to work this up. Given that Chris Chibnall has now gone off to do Doctor Who, there's a, a broad church-shaped gap in the market, and I think Samfire and Seal <laughs> might be the thing to win over audiences. So. so we'll leave you now to go and type that up um, on, on Kenneth and get him to arrange for a pigeon to deliver it to ITV. And I'm going to say goodbye, <laughs> as are these gentlemen. Goodbye, goodbye. Fare thee well. See you soon.